I'm the Reverend Graham Taylor, the Minister of St Luke's in Brotty Ferry here in Scotland. It's great to be back with you again today. And we're going to be thinking about the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus, his cousin. So let's get started by listening for the Word of God in a passage from the Bible. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Amen. Some years ago, I co-led a Christmas Day service in a church not far from my own here in Scotland. And as I was standing at the exit wishing the leavers a Merry Christmas, one old chap said to me, I don't know who you are, but a Merry Christmas. And for once in my life I had a spark of wit wit, and replied, Well, I don't know who you are, but a Merry Christmas to you too. However, people rarely ask, Who are you? It's generally too rude. But still a good question from time to time. It was and is a good question of both the personalities in our lesson of this day. Since the crowd by the River Jordan must have been questioning who John was. Was he Elijah? Was he the Messiah? Or was he just off his head? And in fact, these self-same questions would have been asked of Jesus. Perhaps they still are. Needless to say, depending on the answers you personally come up with, result in who you follow and who you don't. And it was because of these queries that there were tensions probably between John and Jesus' camps. They probably saw each other as rivals. But it was this potentially destructive conflict that the two cousins made serious efforts to defuse. Their reasoning was not just the dangers of dividing their good news message, but also that each had a different role to play within that good news. So let us now ask of both John and Jesus, who are you? Moreover, let us search ourselves to answer which each of them means to us. Starting with John the Baptist, on the face of it, he was an intriguing and yet bleak character. Possibly he was a member of the mysterious Jewish sect called the Essenes that only emerged into modern view with the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were an austere monastic group living the communal spiritual life in the desert. He must therefore appear as quite a forbidding character to the urban and settled rural populations of Roman-occupied Palestine. 
Certainly I suspect that if John pitched up on a Sunday in your congregation, you would be a tad weary of him. He would be obviously eccentric, a wild and unkempt man, ready to spout fiery rhetoric, a figure in the mould of Luther and Calvin, or indeed those less comfortable originals in the Christian church today. As a result, in his presence, we would feel under an uncompromising spotlight. Nonetheless, that was exactly John's God-given role. He was sent for ordinary people, just like you and me, to ask deep questions of them and to go a sense of personal audit-taking. Then, having completed our internal judgment, he would cajole us to do something about it. Certainly calling a congregation a nest of vipers is unlikely to impress. On the other hand, life with John would never be dull, nor would it be self-indulgent. Instead, it could be refreshingly liberating. The bishop entered his cathedral and kneeled before the high altar, wailing that he was a miserable sinner. This inspired the dean to come from his office and set to with a similar catabol of confession. Next, a canon, who happened to be passing, felt that he would get in on the act of self-abasement. So he joined in the general cacophony of sins being recited. Finally, a thief, who had crept in in order to help himself to the poor's box, couldn't resist the desire to seek repentance for the great and good of the abbey. However, as he fell on his knees in contrition, the rest of the crew stopped and turned to him and said, But you are a sinner. Jesus came primarily not for the bishops and the rest, but the genuinely bad, the truly lost, and those who were thought irretrievable. He came for those on the margins of society and the law. He came for those who live in the wilderness and have no angels to help them. He came for small-time folk, badly offending and offended against. And understanding all that allows us to see how to come to terms with both John the Baptist and Jesus the Messiah. It helps us to be a member of both camps. Now, one of the few sporting events I follow every year is the cycling Tour de France. It never ceases to amaze me the number of strangely garbed spectators that are on, run alongside the riders for a few hundred yards or so. But that surprises me less than the sacrificial work of the also-run cyclists who help their team leader win. One particular martyr is the lead-out man. What does he do? Well, to answer that, I had to resort to a glossary of cycling terms. Here's what it says. Close to the finish, the leader goes into the slipstream of the lead-out sprinter, who accelerates rapidly. Only when the lead-out man is utterly exhausted will he move aside to allow his team weight to power like a missile to the line. Well, clearly John was Jesus' lead-out man. But he can be ours too. We can follow him and his quickening pace of reflection. We can get a real spiritual speed up. We can accelerate with all we intend to do in our faith. Then when he has brought us up into serious contention, we can join Jesus Christ. For then we are ready for the last few yards to victory. The victory over our own wilderness of despondency. The victory of reaching out to those lost without a soul to care for them. The victory of crossing that line with the words ringing in our ears. You are my beloved child.
With you I am well pleased. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to see the mission of John the Baptist and help us to speed up in faith. Let him accelerate us in our spiritual quest. Only then are we ready to join Christ in his great mission of the gospel across this world that is in so much need for it. Help us all then to come across the line to victory. Amen. Well, our short time together has once again come to an end. I hope you have been uplifted and enjoyed this podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to it. And also, please also check out my web page, which is Ministers for Christ. And so, until we meet again, may the blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit go with you and yours this day and evermore. Amen. Thank you.